Today we continue in the series that I'm calling Think Orange, and a few of you did think orange. Dave Hawley won the title last week of Most Orangist. I think Joy Manning may have the prize this week. Dave, if you show up in an orange polka dot dress next week, we might give it back to you. I don't know. I won't be here, thankfully, because that might be a dare that I will regret making right there. We're thinking about our church's ministry with and to families, and next week Zach's going to bring this series to a close, which will be great because uh, he's sold out on the strategy as well. It's something that we really agree on, that this is the way that we can most effectively minister to our families, our children, our students, that we as a church will have a greater impact on them. And the whole idea is that we combine two powerful influences in the lives of our children. In the light of truth, which is the church, we bring the truth of Jesus Christ and the love of the family represented by the red. And you put those two things together, the yellow and the red, and it makes orange. And the idea is that we're working together. Instead of families sort of saying, okay, church, you raise our kids in terms of their faith, tell them what they need to know, and we'll do the rest. Or the church sort of taking that role themselves and saying, hey, don't worry about this, we've got it. It's the idea that we work together. The church has a limited influence. 40 hours a year for lots of kids because we go on vacations and do lots of things, whereas parents have 3,000 hours a year where they can influence their children. And if we work together and try to find ways where we're going in the same direction to influence our kids, we can have a powerful impact on where they are spiritually and where they end up. That's what we're thinking about right now. Last week we talked about the fact that we can only teach as we do. In other words, uh, our kids, our students, uh, even if they're grown, our grandchildren are going to notice more of what we do than what we say. And so when those two things don't match up, they only hear what we do. And so we've got to watch that and really do what we've said we were going to do. Now, this week, I want us to think a little bit more about the value of our families and how we show value to our families. Now, the truth is, lots of us, because, you know, our families are just there, right? I mean, we come home to them, we talk to them, maybe on the phone, we're emailing, we have continual exposure to our families. It's easy to begin to take them for granted. It's easy to notice some of the flaws in our families because we're with them a lot. And we know how they are when they get hungry or when they get tired. We know the things that they do that irritate us and maybe irritate other people. And it's easy to focus in on those things. It's easy to lack real appreciation for our family. I don't really even know about how this guy thought, but the, you know, it's true in every church, right, that so we all sort of show up in the same order every week. I can just about make a list of how you're going to show up because that's the way it works, and that's the way it works in every church. And in East Tennessee, back at the beginning of my ministry, it was the same way there, and there was a, a family that always showed up first. It was a, a dad, a mom, and their high school daughter. And they would come in, and we would chat for a little bit, but once in a while, the dad would show up by himself. And I'd say, Jess, you alone today? And he'd say something about his wife having to work, and he'd say, well, that girl, she's got homework to do. And I've always thought, that girl, that's a really strange way to talk about your daughter, you know? It didn't sound like appreciation. Now, again, I, I don't know what kind of dad he was. I have no idea. But the way we talk about our families communicates to them 
and communicates to other people just what we think about those families. And of course, we can take that a step further and talk about how we act toward our families, and that will communicate even more. But how do we need to think about that? You know, there were people this week, we've seen it all over the news, we've mourned over it, we've grieved over it, and hopefully we've prayed over it, that people have gotten up expecting sort of a normal day, and the day has ended with family members dead. And when we see that, we see that people just went to work and they never came home. We do grieve over it. And hopefully for some of us, maybe we hug our spouses, our children, a little bit tighter that day. But what happens the next day or the next week? Things sort of just get back to normal. Today I want us to look at some scripture and think about what scripture has to say about how we should think about the value of our families. And together, even as a church, how we value our families as well. I want us to look at an Old Testament passage. It's found in the Psalms. Of course, the Psalms were really the worship book, the prayer book of the Old Testament, of the Jewish people, continue to be and continue to speak powerfully to the church as well as it leads us in prayer. Psalm 127 is where we're going to look today. Great worship psalm. But it talks also about family. Let's look at verses 1 and 2. It says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Okay, what is the psalmist saying? The psalmist is saying to us, listen, you're not in control. Okay? You're not in control. If you think you are, you're going to be reminded before long that you don't have all this figured out. And even though you may make great plans and you may look into the future and you think you're prepared, something is going to happen and you're going to realize, man, I'm not. I don't have it. And especially as we think about our families, we so often find out that we're not in control. I heard an interview a few years back with a guy that sometimes I've thought might be the devil incarnate. Let's see if some of you know him. I thought I was safe in Illinois with that, but there's his son. He was talking about his son because that week his son, Pat, was coaching Lamar University in a play-in game to the NCAA tournament. And Bobby Knight said, whenever my son is coaching, I can't watch it because I can't handle the stress. Now, I didn't know there was any stress that Bobby Knight couldn't handle. But it had to do with his kids. Maybe you've been there. A performance or a game or whatever it is that your kids or grandkids do, and you're in the audience, and it's like, man, I just can barely watch because you so much want them to succeed, and yet you have no control over it. That's the way family works sometimes. We so much want our spouse to succeed, our children to succeed, and we pray for them and we encourage them, but then there comes a time when they've got to step out on the field or the court or the stage, and it's really just up to them. And we can't control it. That's hard. That's hard for us as parents, hard for us as a church, as we see our children grow up and do other things. 
Because we want them to succeed. We want them to do well. We want to encourage them and pray for them. But we're not in control. Then the psalmist says this, beginning in verse 3. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring a reward from him. Hear that? This is how we should think about our kids. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. Children are a gift, the psalmist is saying. A blessing, the psalmist is saying. Now, there's lots of times when you would agree, and there's probably some times when you could look back and say, man, it didn't feel like a blessing in that moment, right? Sometimes we let those moments get the better of us. And we forget just what a blessing our children really are in our lives and how we need to think about them as a blessing in our lives. Now, I think there's a basic lesson that we need to hear that comes from this passage, and then we need to deal with some struggles that we might have in the midst of that. The the message is this. Family should be treated as a blessing. Family should be treated as a blessing, and there are days, as I've said, that some of us don't do that. There are days when even though we love our spouses, our parents, children, grandparents, grandchildren, aunts, uncles, and maybe our church family, we don't treat them as a blessing because it becomes mundane, because it becomes every day, because we get irritated and we get hurt. But family should be treated as a blessing, an acknowledgement that God has put these people in my life. And I am blessed because of that. Now, a couple of side issues that I think are worth talking about for a minute and really deserve more attention than just that, but that need to be acknowledged. For some people in the room, with all kidding aside, you are thinking right now in your head, there are people in my family that are anything but a blessing to me. Because you've been wounded. Maybe because you've been abused. You're saying these people are not a blessing. And I can't treat them that way. Well, you'll notice how I phrase that. Families should be treated as a blessing. But there are some families in which there's people that, because they don't believe that, because they're not following God's plan, because they've not acknowledged Jesus as Lord and they're not living in a way that shows that, they're not a blessing. And they're hurtful and they're abusive. And you can never acknowledge that as a blessing. And I get that. I get that. But that's because there's a corruption of God's plan. Now the other thing we need to acknowledge is that, you know, there's some couples who pray for children, who want children, and they never come. And then we read this passage, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. And if you're in the middle of that, and Leanne and I lived it for several years, you're thinking, where's my reward? Where's my blessing? 
Why has God not blessed us with children? And then you sit through sermons like this that talk about kids, and it makes it even harder. Now, there's no simple answer to that either. I mean, I can't explain that away. I can't tell you why that's the way it is, because I don't know. I know we lived in a fallen and broken world, and sometimes stuff is just not the way it should be. And there are people who die too young. And there are really bad things that happen, and this is one of them. All I can say is the Lord still honors you as a family. A couple who loves each other is a family when they are married in the sight of God, blessed by the church. That's still a family. And in those relationships, there are still opportunities to treat each other as a blessing. Now, with those two things on the side, I think for lots of us, what we really need to hear is, how do I treat my family as a blessing? Because, again, it's easy not to. It's easy to get caught up in the work that we have to do. It's easy to get caught up in all the stuff that we have to do at home once we've done all the work that we did when we were at our place of business during the day, and we just don't have time, right? We go days without really acknowledging how important our spouses are or our kids are. Or maybe our parents and grandparents, we just miss some of that. Well, we need to do it. How have you shown the people in your family, the people that you live with, the people that are closest to you, how have you shown them in the past week that you love them? Sometimes it's small things, and that's okay. We don't always have to do the big production. You know, maybe it's a text the middle of the day that just tells your spouse you're thinking about them or in our world we sometimes text our kids if they're in school if they have a phone and let them know hey I hope you're having a good day and we do that a lot in our family and some, some one of the ways that we encourage one another and you know I remember one day I'm usually the one that sort of does that with Lauren and there was a day just in the middle of the day that she texted me and said dad I hope you're having a good day And it really caught me. Kids need our encouragement. But we need the encouragement of the whole family. Our family should be treated as a blessing. We have to actually show that with our time, with our encouragement, with our prayer, with our help when it's needed. And, you know, I think about that in terms of our, you know, biological families that we live with. But that's how this relates back to the church, too. I mean, Scripture talks about the church as a family, right? We see that imagery used over and over. And Paul sort of, in the passage that the Corsos read today, sort of mixes those metaphors. He's talking about marriage, and then he's talking about the church and Jesus Christ and And he almost gets lost in the middle of that because both are really this great mystery. We are a family. And so we need to treat each other as a blessing. And we need to look at our our babies and our preschool children and our elementary children and our junior high and high school kids and we look on them. And for us as a church... They should be treated as a blessing. 
And there are times when, man, they're going to think differently than the rest of us do. They're going to approach life differently than the rest of us do. They're going to like music that we don't like. And that's okay. They're still a blessing. And we should be continually building into their lives. And we have programming for some of that, okay? I mean, we have programming going on right now in this building where we're trying to encourage our kids to develop the right character, to know Jesus, things that they can take home and that hopefully you can talk about as families. But it doesn't just work in classes. And I couldn't have said it better than what Kelsey said this morning already, right? And this is a place where she finds encouragement and where she took some of those early steps of faith. That's exactly the way it ought to work. That's just what we want to see happen. It's for our kids to grow up in a place, in a community in which they find encouragement to take the next step of faith. And sometimes those are small steps, sometimes they're big steps that are really scary. But that's exactly how it should happen, both in church and at home. Families should be treated as a blessing. And sometimes... It really can be small moments. Small moments that make a difference for a long time. Paula and George were married eight years and and they were struggling and it had been a relationship in which they had been fighting all along and they sought out some counseling and that was beginning to help. But the moment came just with a very small thing. It was the morning and George kissed Paula on the cheek and there was just something in that moment. And then she brewed a cup of coffee because it's something that they used to enjoy. And they sat down and they had a conversation. And you know, sometimes it works that way. I'm not saying a kiss on the cheek and a cup of coffee is going to solve all the problems in every family. But what I'm saying is continually doing some of those small things Build the foundation in which a family can grow into a healthy, healthy place to live, a healthy place to develop faith in Jesus Christ. So we want to do those small things as individuals and families and as Christians in the community of faith. to Give people the opportunity to grow in their faith. So... What have you done this week? And maybe you look back on last week and say, man, I I wouldn't call that a success if it's all about treating my family as a blessing. Well, you can't change last week, but you can change this week. What are some small things you could do? Things that take just a few seconds but may still communicate, I'm thinking about you, I care about you, I love you. Let's pray. God, it's good to be together, to celebrate faith, to celebrate what Jesus has done in our lives. God, we love the fact that you're at work in us, and you've created a desire in this church to help our children grow in their faith. God, help us to work together as families and as a church, combining this powerful influence 
so that our children grow up in faith, take those steps of faith that can make all the difference down the road. Use us in this, whether we're involved in children's ministry or we just love to encourage our kids and our students. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Today, maybe it's time for you to respond to the message of the gospel of Jesus, the good news that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and wants you to come to him in a relationship. And the way we do that is to put our faith in him and repent of our sins, and then we're immersed into Christ for the forgiveness of sins. If you're ready to do that, we want to walk with you on that journey. Or maybe you've done that and you want to be a member of this church and serve with us so as we bring our kids along and all grow in our faith. If you've made one of those decisions, we want to know about it. We're going to sing a song, you can come forward during that, or maybe talk to me afterwards, and we'll talk about what's next in your spiritual journey. Let's stand together and sing.